Hey, this is Derwin Lester from the Blanket Fortress Solitude. And in my many travels, I have been so lucky as to meet wonderful and talented people, people from all walks of life, people doing the Lord's work. And one such gentleman is on with me today. His name is Joe Hicks. Joe, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's good to be here. And I have heard nothing, nothing but good things about you from Evan Kelly. Oh, well, I was about to say, you haven't been talking to the right people. He's, <laughs> oh he's, the, he's the right person to talk to. <laughs> he's, oh, man. I, yeah, he, he, he's he, nothing but great things about you. So with that in mind, where are you from, sir? Oh, um, I am from the uh, booming metropolis or aspiring booming metropolis that is Galesburg, Illinois, um, we're a town that is in West Central Illinois, um, as my friends from the Chicago suburbs like to call it. They call it the boonies or the sticks. I, I refute that characterization, but um, that's at least what some people uh, like to say. We're a town of 30,000 in the middle of a, a county that's just cornfields. But. <laughs> a city amongst the clouds. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. And so the from the stories I've heard, you, like the prodigal son you are, left town and then came back. Where'd you go when you left town? Yeah, so so I grew up in uh, Galesburg. Unfortunately, I don't get to carry the moniker born and raised because I was born and then my parents moved to town two months afterwards so i was born in downers grove which just feels like irony to me it's a suburb of chicago and i don't know but anyway well so, i mean only god is perfect it's close yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so i grew up here you know and graduated from the local high school and uh I went off to college at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and I ended up spending five years there because not everyone has their shit together during the college years. And then um, after- It took me about six to get a bachelor's degree. Yeah. (laughs) I was totally the guy who um, just had his foreign language credit left to do. And, um, th- you know, that was fun. That, that, that was really great for the person, um, you know, for the self-conception. But what for? You know, so, uh, I was doing Spanish, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's um, a useful one. Like, yeah, well, I'll tell you right now, um, it has not been retained. Um, so, you know, I guess if I was in a very panicked situation and I needed to read something in Spanish, (laughs) I could probably do that. But trying to write or vocalize, no, you know, or hear it, no. I could probably maybe understand some written Spanish. Um, I I took uh, German in high school and I remember walking up and down the road repeating, conjugating the verb saying, Durfen, Kurgan, Mergen, Moosen, Zolen, Volen, Macan, like must should want probably 5,000 times uh-huh. over an entire semester. I remember nothing else but yeah. 20 years later, I remember Durfen, Kurgan, Mergen, Moosen, Zolen, Volen. <laughs> no, that's fun. But but then it, it you know, this is a tiny tangent, but I started Please doing do. 
I started doing a little French on on Duolingo. Okay. And doing that totally, you know, I had heard before that all the kind of like romance languages of Europe are all not, you know, if we were to be a little bit more critical, we would call them dialects instead of distinct languages. Like, like, you know, in Spanish, you know, you asking, how are you? You know, you say, como estas? And then, and then in French, you say, como se va? Which is just like, if you think of it, it's just like you, you, someone hundreds of years ago decided to, you know, slightly emphasize a different consonant and then all of a sudden we have diverging languages (laughs) well it's kind of like different interpretations of the bible right where there'd be like a three-word difference like oh that's a lutheran church and that's a protestant church what do they believe almost the same thing well you know and, and i grew up catholic and every once in a while they they'll do like a a um a reinterpretation of the original latin yeah. So, so these chants that we do, I mean, I say we, I haven't been a practicing Catholic for many years, but, you know, the chants and all these, you know, things that you do during the mass that you've been saying the same thing for years and years, then all of a sudden they'll be like, that wasn't quite right. That, that, that wasn't to the fullest of what we understand. So we're going to say a new thing now. That's a little bit closer to what we believe the original intent of the original Latin was. So, so I graduated college after I finally adequately showed proficiency in Spanish well enough. You might say you're adequately informed in Spanish. Yeah, uh, I'm funny. <laughs> but um, so after after I. Uh, got my degree three days later i started a job managing truck drivers in kenosha wisconsin i mean it's not it's not like i just moved up there and three days later i had a job you know i was working it out but um, i mean you know it it was um you know i i i had no idea what i really wanted to do out of college um or let let's put it this way i could see myself doing so many different things and it was, but nothing was like to zero in. And then at one point I was just like, oh, I guess I could be in logistics. And then they were the one people to give me a job. So they got me, they got me to go and manage truck drivers up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Are you and was, still in logistics? I am still in logistics. I'm actually, um, my company um, is actually shutting down in a couple weeks, so I'm actually frantically looking for a job right now. Um, well, if anyone's listening, he's looking for a job. Now, I think, now that I may be jumping the shark saying that because I think in the next couple of days I should know something on a possible job but um, But yeah, it's it's been fun. Um, it, you know, I had planned to be here for a while and then all of a sudden the owners are like, oh, we're retiring. I'm like, shit. You graduated high school and then you went to college. And then after college, you went to Kenosha, Wisconsin to work in logistics. Yep. Okay. Yep. What was the company you worked for up there? Um, I worked for uh, JB Hunt. Um, okay. They're, 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 uh, you know, they're like the mega carrier. You know, it's crazy. I, I no longer work for them, but I interact with them every day because they're trains of 
intermodal containers go through our town like crazy. And I'm stopped waiting for a train and I just see JB Hunt containers. Can't get away. I know. You know, when I was working for them, I was like, that's money, baby. <laughs> and then and then now that I'm not working for them, I'm like, geez, you wanna <laughs> you show off. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, it was it was actually pretty interesting work. Um, I was walk me through the day. Walk walk me through the job. Well, well, so so the day started. Uh, I was working six p.m. to six a.m. shifts, and um, yeah, I know. Well, here's the small caveat: I worked three or four days a week, and then I had off three or four days a week. Oh, so that's nah, not bad. But it still was bad. Um, which I have now understood now that I'm no longer in the job. Sure. Um, but, um, I remember I would every day when I would walk from the car Mm -hmm. to the office, I would be thinking in my head, what do I need to do to never work ever again? Really? Yeah. I was like, it wasn't even like. I need a new job. It was like, I need to never work ever again. I need um, unseeking arrangements. Yeah. I was like, I was looking into getting a van and doing that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was pretty serious. I, I even got like approved for a loan from the bank to go and buy a van. And, so you just going to live in the van down by the river? Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes away from the river and, you know, nice. you know, and by the stream sometimes or, you know, whatever in a, you know, a rest area on the interstate, you know, the as area. the philosopher King Chris Farley would do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that that really stopped me from doing that was I could not swing logistics to get from Kenosha to like, I don't know. I think it was like Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I wanted to buy the van. I was like, oh, that's a hike. <laughs> I'm like, I'm working a weird shift and I'm like. Okay, I can take like three different trains, but well, I need like, a bit of sleep in there, and then hold, hold on, why? I why do you want to live in a van? Oh, I don't now. I mean, why did but, you? Like, I've never. Oh, I thought it. I thought it was going to be something like I was going to see the country and be free, and oh, you know, like not a, have to work like a, and and you know, or or work less or do something else. You know, like a Jack like, Kerouac sort of thing. Something like that, you know. Okay. I was just uh, got it. How old were you in this in this time frame? Oh, I was I was like twenty four. You know, that makes 25. a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I would walk into work thinking about how I was going to buy a van. Sure. Um, but once I got in, it was just like nonstop. Um, like I was responsible for like. 40, 50 truck drivers delivering loads to all these Meyer stores. And and I remember I was there when the pandemic first hit. And if you remember, there were that was that run on the grocery stores. What not a fun time. <laughs> it was well, so I never experienced the run as a consumer. I experienced it as the guy trying to get all the groceries to the grocery stores. I want to hear in depth about that well i i you know there isn't just a whole lot to say other than it was a lot like yeah. they, it was just more than there ever was 
Like, well, how about this? Walk me through what is a generic like getting something to a grocery store look like? Like, like let's oh say toilet paper, for example. Yeah. So I I actually didn't know that um, we didn't handle the toilet paper part of the supply chain. Um, but so let's say anything that you want to get at the grocery store, the basic um, tra- the logistics of it is that. You know, so you have your place that makes whatever the thing is. The widget factory. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, we picked up a whole lot of cereal from places because people love their cereal. Sure. Um, so there are the places that make the things. But yes. then there can be seemingly infinite number of middlemen in between you getting it. So let's say... centers. Oh, yeah. But let's say, you know, toilet paper was probably, you know, they were just bringing in full trailer loads um, Mm -hmm. of toilet paper and sending them to each individual store. So that's kind of easy. You know, the toilet paper, toilet paper people make the toilet paper. They put it on a truck. They send it to the Meyer distribution center. The Meyer distribution, you know, they take it off put it onto their trailer and then we send one of our guys to go and deliver it to the store okay but then there could be more people in the middle so let's say you don't sell something quite as hopping as toilet paper or as in demand let's say you make i don't know artisan jalapeno snack sticks or some something like that <laughs> so for you whole know. foods <laughs> yeah and you don't sell enough to really you know, send a whole truckload to a distributor, even for a place that sells to a lot of things. Sure. So what you do is you send it to another warehouse and another warehouse collects a whole bunch of these small things. And then they will, you know, the big stores will get an order from there. So they put it all together and then you send that to the the big distribution center and then they distribute it out from there to all the stores. Sure. Um, but yeah, there, there can be conceivably infinite middlemen in logistics. Sure. You know, after, after working in logistics, I totally understand now, like when you have a, when you're tracking a UPS package and it's like, I don't know, it gets to like the town over from you and then it goes to like Arizona yeah. and, then, and then like back close again. And then all of a sudden it's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now it's in Belize. Yeah, you know, it it totally makes sense to me. It's like, oh, you know, some guy was just, you know, sorting stuff and it didn't get delivered and it got on some truck and now, you know, no time to sort. Left turn at Albuquerque. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it just got thrown to some truck and it's like, oh, it's going there. No one's double checking that shit. No one's got time to do that. (laughs) It's March 2020. It's the end of the world, man. Yeah. But uh, but no, it was quite interesting to see how all of that happens. It's also interesting that, um, you know, a lot of people will talk about, um, you know, climate change is around us. People are talking about it. Yeah. But I was just fascinated at how much energy it takes to deliver food. Sure. Um, like, you know... Um, you know, some food has to stay cold and some food has to stay frozen. And to make sure that stuff remains cold or frozen, there are these trailer, truck trailers that have these giant refrigerator 
ration units on it that run on diesel. And they have to be running the entire time that something's in that trailer. And so that's a lot of diesel that- that, A lot of hydrocarbons put in the air. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a lot of diesel to move the stuff. It's a lot of diesel to cool the stuff. Lots of diesel involved with food moving. Yeah. Well, every everyone was, you know, everyone was just working, working, working. I mean, we just had more work than we ever had before. And some got and it's funny because right before that happened was normally our it, it was kind of our lull season where you know, you know, um, in the grocery and like general merchandise game, you know, um, the big holidays are like 4th of July, Thanksgiving and Christmas, like everything ramps up for those. Sure. Then, and then in like the January, February, March area is normally when it down, you know, down zones, you know, people aren't going as crazy for all that kind of stuff. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, yeah. So, but we still had all the extra drivers that we, you know, would have from the holiday season. And, you know, they were just kind of sitting idly by. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're actually doing some work now. We're doing, we're doing, you know, we're really getting to it. Um, And then just like, just one night, it would be like, we're getting so many more loads you know to stores than we ever would have ever had on even the busiest nights during like the season and i call like the guy at the warehouse and i'm like is this for real and he's like yeah man (laughs) and (laughs) it's game time (laughs) yeah but i mean it was getting crazy enough that like i remember one driver told me he was pulling up to the store and put his trailer in the door and um you know behind the store where the trucks are and some guy drove up and was like hey what do you got in your truck my driver's like i don't know you know a gun but (laughs) but the guy i'm sure the guy was trying to scalp some toilet paper or some shit like i but and you know that i had never heard of anything like that i mean you don't really think of things at the grocery store being valuable. Like, sure, you pay money for them, but it's not like worth going behind the store and asking some guy who's delivering it, like, "Hey, can <laughs> I'll I trade you heroin? <laughs> yeah, give me some of that. I need that before it gets out there." You know, I, you know, you don't think about toilet paper until there ain't any toilet paper. Yeah, and that's all you think about. Yep. Well, I tell you, I, I you guys did really important work. Like, well, you just... know, that was crazy. It felt, you know, I I had been dreading my job for so long, but it was like when I was doing that, I was like, I'm an important man. Watch out, everybody! Here I am. You kind of were. Yeah, I mean, you are. Don't get yeah. me wrong. You know, we're all God's children and all that. But you know, especially at that point, the yeah. logis- the logisticians were keeping the country together. Yeah, it was like, like a moment. Doctors, but... Well, and that was also strange because that was the moment when like everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Like everything that basically wasn't grocery stores and everything having to do with grocery stores was yeah. shut down. And I was like, oh shit, I'm one of the few people here. Like, <laughs> but but there was some part of me that that now that there was a little part of me that was like oh man everyone's not working and i'm having i'm going i'm i'm having to work way more now and then (laughs) 
<laughs> and you know, before before you know, you really knew what was going on right at the beginning of the pandemic. The the um, uh, my company was was you know ve- they were very good. They they announced pretty early on that they were going to uh, have like a two weeks paid leave if you had COVID. That's um, good. Yeah, and. I shit you not, like, a week after or two weeks after that, I had symptoms. And this was, like, and this was in the before time, before testing was widely When you say available. symptoms, what did you have? I had shortness of breath. I had That's... a real bad headache. Um, and just, like, lightheaded. I just wasn't, like, fully there. Sure. Um, so... I, Sounds like COVID. Yeah, but you see, I never got to know if it was COVID because testing was in such a short supply at that time that they were really only testing people if they had like extreme comorbidities or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you were, it, it if it didn't seem like you were fucked, you know they 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 didn't test you they were just like treat it like you have covid if if they're if you're 95 years old 8000 pounds and you're missing a foot and the diabetes we'll test you yeah yeah but but you know 20 i was like what 24 25 year old guy yeah um, yeah they 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 weren't looking to test me so so I lived, you were going to go buy a van right before the pandemic and go travel the world <laughs> and find yourself on the road like Jack Kerouac? Yeah, you know, fun, and also I I did like a big long road trip like just a couple weeks before everything went down. There you go. So I snuck one in right under the, <laughs> right under the wire, unbeknownst to me. We we got married mid October 2019. Uh huh. And. <laughs> And, and then you know march happens and you know i'm brand new husband and i'm like oh oh it's go time yeah. okay yeah because <laughs> like and i always because i had a very quiet tour in iraq about 12 years ago mm-hmm. where almost nothing happened mm-hmm. and but you kind of had this consistent low level of anxiety, of concern. Strangers could kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just your life was very repetitive. You're kind of in the same place, doing the same thing with the same people. Um, and you were kind of in the same general radius. And it was kind of, and then I remember when COVID hit and everything was shutting down and I'm like, oh, Oh, I've done this already. Uh-huh. Oh no. <laughs> I remember how that was and that was awful and I was a lot younger then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting times. And we've all kind of been when I always tell people we've all kind of been on an, a deployment for 2 years. Yeah. Cuz yeah. you know, sometimes you get sick and you know, you yeah you fight with people and your cities burn it's no big deal yeah um speaking of which you lived in kenosha yeah i did i would Um, love to get a first-hand perspective on what kenosha was like for you guys for being there because uh and this will dovetail into the final episode of adequately informed which i really have an exciting thing to want to pick your brain about Uh uh-huh because 
I'm sure it, much like your thesis have adequately informed your guys wanted to approach topics from uh, uh, an area of good faith and non-bias, you know, like par- partisan gerrymandering or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Kenosha riots, shooting, all of that jazz happened, you know, our media in this country is less than accurate when reporting such matters. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to have you on and kind of hear what your perspective of it was. Yeah, that was a wild time. Um, So I actually lived less than a mile where the original shooting happened. The Uh, Jacob Blake? Yeah, yeah, Jacob Blake. Yeah. Um, You know, the one that sparked the, the, you know, the (laughs) Bruja. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, which one? That's so bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I live pretty close to that. And, um, you know, and it was weird because, you know, while I lived in Kenosha, I I didn't really ever quite find a community there, which is eventually why I left. But of course, so so I I saw I first saw about, you know, the shooting on like Twitter and it was like, oh, shit, (laughs) wait a minute. I live there. And then I look it up. Oh, shit. That's like a mile away from where I live. And, and, um, yeah, things started escalating and, and, um, you know, it, it, it was interesting to see because like there was a lot going on, but it all, most of the stuff, you know, most of the rioting on all that kind of stuff happened in kind of the central district of downtown and towns are pretty big, Mm -hmm. um, so and it Kenosha is like a town of a hundred thousand. So you know it's nothing to sniff at. Yeah. Um, but so I, I I never once really felt like in danger, like because like I was pretty far away. I lived in like an apartment community, and I was like, who's gonna come here and like stir some shit? Like you know, if they are, they're the assholes. You know like yeah just extra so um but no i i remember like <laughs> one day i was coming back i think i was coming back from galesburg i had done a trip down coming back into kenosha and i wanted to go and get some wings from pizza hut which are very underrated in my opinion but i uh, but anyway that's not the story i put in like a i mean order. if they sponsor the show it will yeah. be the story yeah, I put an order in online and then like two minutes later I get a call and the guy's like, Hey, I'm I'm the guy from Pizza Hut and we're closing down because <laughs> the whole town was going under curfew. And I was like, Are you kidding me? I was already not able to shop in the middle of the night because of COVID, because every 24 hour place stopped being 24 hours. But now we got a dang curfew. Ugh, what is this? Um, but no, it was, it was tough times. Like a lot of places was shut down. I mean, again, working for Meyer, I remember, um, there was a few days there where they, you know, at like, I don't know, like 6 PM, they were having us send a driver over and park two semi trailers in front of the doors so that like nobody was able to get in. And then in the morning at like 6 a.m., we would have have to send another guy over to go and remove them. Um, 
yeah so so those were some intense times i mean my emotions flared pretty pretty hot um you know oh, it was an emotional time it. definitely I mean, you know, we had had the George Floyd stuff happen and then like also this in a community that I was like part of. And, you know, I was just, um, you know, enraged by that. And, you know, it but it also got pretty crazy, you know, like and I remember, you know, you know, the whole Rittenhouse thing. But I, I remember. I remember seeing stuff on Facebook and other people from the area showing me like, you know, there was the the Kenosha militia was out and like that's comforting. You know, yeah, I know. Like a bunch of guys with ARs just I don't know, <laughs> you know, defending the the pick and save the other grocery stores or you know well, I like, so with the and I've talked to I think Evan about this a couple of times. I look at this a couple of different ways, right? Especially with if you own a, if you as a grown man own a store mm-hmm. and you as a grown man defend your store, right? You don't go actively looking for things, but mm-hmm. you practice the art of the, the what is whatever is legally defined as self-defense, mm-hmm. which because, you know, a store is your life, if, right. especially if you're a small owner. I get that. I what bothered me the most was that somebody gave a 17 year old boy the bright idea that what he did was a good thing yeah right or like somehow he got it in his matrix that you know because I I studied uh I wasn't ever like a, a scholar but throughout all my 20s i was enlisted in the united states army and so our enemy was radical islamic terrorism and a lot of it involved child soldiers and i was luckier than most of my peers in that no one had ever shot at me and i never had to shoot anybody Uh uh-huh but i i i learned a lot about how they would indoctrinate children into fringe political ideologies that would drive them to violence Mm -hmm. and say oh that American, he's the infidel, and you should, you know, you should put this vest on and go over there and pull this cord. And so, when that Rittenhouse boy, when he, when he, when some, somehow he got a gun and then went into an active combat zone. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, an untrained 17 year old boy is sent by cowardly adults into an active combat zone to go do what is really a police officer's job, maybe yeah. like defend a store or, or at the very least, not his job. Yeah. You know, he should stay home and maybe defend his house if his house is in danger. Yeah. But, and what really, really bothered me about that his situation is because I have never had to take a human life. I know people that have. Mm-hmm. And it does something to you, even if it's in self-defense. Mm-hmm. And so, and especially when you're a kid, you know, when when you when people have to take a human life, you have to justify the blood on your hands to yourself and your God before anybody else. So that way, you can go to sleep at night, mm-hmm. right? Oh, they were the enemy. Oh, they were the infidel. Oh, they were the liberals. Whatever, mm-hmm. you know. 
And so this kid has to do that. And he's only going to be accepted by those that are singing his praises the loudest, which is not what you call polite society. Uh-huh. And he kind of became this ping pong sort of avatar for the idiotic culture war that's going on in this country right now. Yeah. And something I really respected about you is in the last episode of Adequately Informed, you talked about the emotion and the stress and the anger we all felt in 2020 and how you can look back at it as the fires have calmed down as the the virus seems to be calming down Mm -hmm. as the cities are no longer in turmoil and say hey maybe we maybe i overreacted or maybe what was it you said maybe i i acted with too much emotion or you said something like yeah yeah something to that effect like maybe um through the emotions i was uh, more willing to take extreme more extreme positions than i truly would that's a very human response yeah in a cold sober mind would you know otherwise consider 100 percent, very human response yeah um, you know, it was like things are really bad right now, and it feels like uh, you know nothing was to do about it. Yeah, and it was like you know, in, at some level, I was like, you know what? If 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 um, you know, if an entire car lot of used cars gets burned, I guess I guess that just happens. Yeah. Um, whereas now I'm like, oh, you know, that's not great. And then also, I mean, this is this is a thing that's contested. But you know, when you really drill down to when big these big protests become riots, yeah. it's almost always opportunistic people who are like anarchists and yeah. really anti-social people who use it as an opportunity to go and do whatever. It's I the mean, Joker. The Joker shows yeah. up. Yeah, essentially. But you know, I was stuck like in a mode trying to justify it and like getting into arguments with people and, sure. and um but you know now that i can look back on it it's like oh you know it was possible to be mad at um you know the shooting of jacob blake but then also didn't have to be tolerant of riots you yes. know though that that didn't have to be mutually exclusive but you know you want to so you know you get so enraged for your cause that you don't want to give an inch to the people who don't believe in your cause yes um so you end up absorbing a whole lot of um extra i don't know slack in your position or or you know start believing things that you otherwise wouldn't have Um, i i i can relate it to it from the other side of the spectrum i i was actually i was really i was angry and honestly uh i was jealous that people were addressing their concerns right Mm -hmm. and i was so mad about it and i was so you know because i grew up you know half feral dirt poor in a trailer park and you know you're kind of invisible Uh you know when you're like if you're poor and you're white you're like no it just doesn't feel like anyone really gives a shit Mm -hmm. and 
And then I'm like, oh, someone cares about their concerns. And then I'm like, oh, so you have a lot of things on your own to deal with, right? <laughs> like that right. has very, your anger right now has very little to do with them. Uh-huh. And, and then I'm like, oh, you should probably, because apparently life doesn't have to be hard. Like that's, <laughs> that's something that the pandemic kind of taught me, right? Like, like, like your origin story doesn't have to involve suffering yeah and or if it does you can fight to change it you know and and so i kind of came to a realization i i was able to listen to their concerns without putting them into contrast with my own Mm -hmm. right like both can they're the cons- their concerns don't negate mine and it's not a zero sum game was yeah. the, was the the you know and that was the conclusion i came to and i think that's where i mean they lose poor white christians a lot mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons and a lot of it's just messaging and a lot of it's just brainwashing on the on the on the, on the white on the conservatives part but that's part of because when you're poor, you just kind of assume that's how life is. Mm-hmm. And then people, you get this like scarcity mentality and it is a very much zero sum game in your head. And so when people want to help others, you think, oh, well, that just takes away from mine. And you know, yeah. why can't I have that? And stuff. Oh yeah. And my life's hard too. And yeah. You know, and what they don't hear is a lot of people on the left saying, hey, we want to help everybody. However, they're being murdered and broad daylight on camera right now right yeah it's (laughs) i get it right like it's it's i was able to examine i was able to listen with an with with, with my guard down i guess after the kenosha stuff after the the floyd after i kind of looked at things yeah understood where my own biases were coming to play if that makes sense well and you know that's that's you know you hit on a point that's like conditional to understanding is that if you go to everything with your guard up yeah you're never gonna change your mind yeah um um, and not you know this is a complicated thing because you know i mean we're solving the world's problems tonight man so right but i I, yeah (laughs) um but it's like, you know, we we all want to believe that we want to come to everything and that we're all magnanimous and we, you know, what we believe is the right thing to the evidence and, you know, greater truths with, I don't know, capital or lowercase t's. And, um, but you know learning things is hard putting together a vision of the world is hard and i'm saying that as someone who loves to do that um (laughs) like like that's my life i'm just like thinking about things and absorbing new ideas and but what happens is is that you know you get an idea of how things are and you know it's part of human nature to want to hold on to those for a while and it's hard to really open yourself up to your mind being changed because you know 
it, it doesn't make sense, you know. If if you were if everyone changed their mind at the first time they were presented evidence, otherwise, then everyone like would anybody know anything? Um, it's I yeah. I know for me, I had to have all my previous th- everything I believe. Basically, most of my worldviews were kind of destroyed over the pandemic. Yeah, right. Like it was real sort of hit the hard reset button and 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 i i look at things very much because i grew up around poor white conservatives right Mm -hmm. so i might have some decent insight there you know and everybody i knew in the army who grew up poor and black or and and, or poor minority whatever and i'm like oh there's a lot of overlap oh yeah right it's not a one-for-one shot clearly but i i so want to talk to people and be like hey you have more in common with these guys <laughs> like yeah oh um, yeah yeah i mean it's, it's it's almost like the story of you know the the what what is it like the hatfield and the mccoys yeah and, you know they hate each other but it turns out you know i mean i i'm totally mixing metaphors here but it's like they're the two groups of people in the world that are the most alike yeah. you know <laughs> You don't want, you know, people don't get into impassioned arguments with people who are way far away from them in, in understanding. You get into the impassioned arguments with the people who believe things just slightly different than you. Yeah, I could. and th- that that's what was good for the pandemic, for me anyway, was kind of really reevaluating everything I believed. Um, anyway, this isn't therapy for me. I don't know fuck I'm, <laughs> I feel like it is. Um it's because your voice in my head, yo. Ooh. <laughs> Pretty Ooh. much. After all of the insanity. I mean, when did you leave Kenosha? Yeah, so I left Kenosha. What year is it now? I left September 2020. Um, oh, so you uh, left right like at the height of things? I left not long after they kind of stopped. Got it. Um, Smart. Yeah, that was, that was kind of like on my way out um i mean things have been brewing for a while and my lease was up and you know all that kind of stuff um but um yeah so i i uh moved back to galesburg um i moved in with my family it's where i was from you know i had found a job that was like in a town about 60 miles away so i was commuting every day and that was rough but um in galesburg yeah from galesburg yeah so um but um so that you know it was good but things really started to take off once i was able to get a job in town not necessarily because of the job itself but because i finally had like my entire life didn't have to be devoted to my job anymore and um as soon as you have that then there's like opportunity to do things and so part of you know, my reasoning for moving back home, I, I, this is something I, you know, like to talk about is that like, I had realized, you know, when I was living in Kenosha, I didn't have any friends up there and I wasn't really able to find any, and I wasn't able to really find a community. Um, and so I was just this kind of guy basically on an Island, you know, in my own social world. 
but I was still really good friends with all my friends back in Galesburg. And yeah. I was on, I'm on good terms with my family, which not everyone gets to say. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I know a lot of people my age or around my age who How really struggle with, you know, ha- finding friends. How and old are you? I'm uh, 27 now. Okay. Yeah, I just I just changed um, or got a new one, um, and um, so I know a lot of people in this age range. They're like, I you know just don't have friends, or you know I don't have anyone close to me. I'm like, shit, I have people close to me. This seems to be pretty good. Um, I'm gonna move back. I want to be closer to them. I don't want to squander these relationships that I have because of some preconceived notion that I have to go and like do a career and, you know, make lots of money or, you know, what have you away from home. Well, I mean, you're Um, a single guy without kids, right? Yeah. 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 So (laughs) you can do what you want, man. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so because, um, you know, when I was growing up, so I guess this, you know, brief Galesburg history, please do, um, please do. You know, I, I, you know, I was born in the mid nineties and then, um, in, in 2002, um, the largest factory in town, the Maytag, uh, refrigerator factory announced that it was going to be closing and moving to Mexico. And between that and, you know, when that happened and when they finally closed in 2004, almost all the factories in Galesburg um, shut their doors. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. I mean, a big part of it was because a good number of the other factories were just suppliers for Maytag. Um, But so... So the anchor factory left and then everything else fell apart. Yeah. Now, yeah. So I didn't have any family members or anyone that I really knew who worked at those. Yeah. But it just changed the demeanor of the town, like, considerably. Sure. Um, you know, it, the the town had gone from a place where, you know, everyone took pride in everything. And, you know, I just, there's actually a book written about this. It's called Boom Bust Exodus. Oh, no. And, and, I, just, and I just read it. And it was actually interesting because it also, like, follows where the factory went in Mexico and all this stuff. But... Sure. But anyway, but it was, you know, the town had a real pride about itself, you know, when the factories were there. A lot of people who otherwise wouldn't have good economic opportunities did, and they took great pride in their work. Sure. Um, and there was a sense of camaraderie. And, you know, there was, you know, also it was before factories were like they are today, where like, you know, most factories today it's just like the people making the things you know none of the people who design the things or engineer the things are there but back then you know you had all those people in the area who were working and they lived here and then all of a sudden gone um you know the whole thing's packed up and shift that's a whole brain drain huh oh yeah big brain drain but as i was growing up um you know, I don't know if it was because of the factories leaving or, you know, whatever else. There was instilled, you know, I don't know if it was ever directly said, 
but it was heavily implied that if you were if you graduated call or you know graduated high school and you had any sort of intellectual capability talent you know wherewithal um you know the 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 game plan was for you to get out of town go to college get a degree move somewhere else and not look back oh Um, wow that's bleak yeah because there was not going to be any opportunity for you here in galesburg sure that was the at least again i don't know if anyone any plan sucks by the way yeah i don't know if any adult ever explicitly said that that's a vibe you got but but that was yeah that was the vibe and you know you hear all the time around here and you know adults say it too it's just like this feeling that there's they they were stuck here you know yeah like they wanted like they wanted to go quote do something with their lives and then they just ended up back in galesburg um so this was the general mentality that you know surrounded all of this and and if i think to the people i knew in high school where they graduated high school left town to go to college graduated college and then chose to come back i mean I, I have less than a handful who I can say, you know, I, I, and the few people who did come back, it did not seem like were willingly, like, you know, they had no job lined up or something like that. So I make a big point of it that I chose to come back. Um, this was my choice. I wasn't like, it's not like I was down on my luck. There. Yeah, I wasn't like, broke and like had to move in with my parents wasn't a court order (laughs) yeah um you know or you know anything like that i chose to come back and not too many people have chose to come back but that's one thing that's gotta have such an effect on the psyche of the town where people are so just like the ones that stay feel like they weren't good enough to leave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's gotta, whoo, that's gotta be a bummer at the pizza parlor, man. Oh yeah, man. (laughs) It's, it's tough. And so, so, you know, once I was no longer having to devote all my time to my job, um, I, um, in October of last year, I started a newsletter um, I call it Inland Nobody. Um, it's yeah. kind of a riff on Coastal Elite. Um, <laughs> um, but, well, you're somebody to me. Oh, thank you. Um, but um, the whole thrust of it is like, I want to have a better Galesburg. Um, yeah. Because like, you... <laughs> We can choose. We can yeah. choose to be proud of Galesburg and, you know, try and come together as a community. Um, you know, I, I think there is some sense where people in the town just kind of got jaded, you know, you sure. know, because over the years there's been enough 
you know, schemes that, you know, business people or the local government have come up with to try and make things come back. Like and, Amway? <laughs> um, I don't know. But it was uh, a pyramid scheme. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Not, that hasn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> I could just see a really shitty mayor be like, everyone's going to sell Mary Kay products. It's going to be great, guys. <laughs> yeah. But um, so those things not panning out. So, so there's a lot of J, you know, and since the, it was the factories leaving that made things bad. There's a big attitude that what we need to do is get some factories back or, you know, those types of jobs back and then Galesburg will be great again. Are those jobs or, coming back? No, no. I didn't not. think they were. No, the, least, the yeah. They, the conditions that they, that probably your parents' generation or the previous generation before them, like that, you're not going to recreate that. Like, yeah. But also not everybody can be TikTok stars either. So yeah. Well, so so one thing I've been trying to focus on in my writing and activism is this idea that if we want to get things going, we, we got to start small. Oh, yeah. Because, because, you know, if we try and shoot for the big, then there's a chance that we won't, you know, it, it, there's a high chance it won't work out. And if we if it doesn't work out, then you know, we're out big. Whereas, you know, you try to do small things, then, you know, if that doesn't work out, then you're just out small. Also, you run into the trap of you shoot for the, or you you think I have to shoot for the big, but then you think, oh, I can't do the big. But if I don't do the big, the small's not worthwhile. Yeah. What's the point of doing the small? So then you never do the small. So you don't actually do anything. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, you know, um, you know, towns don't just show up fully formed, you know, yeah. over time. I mean, I guess sometimes suburbs just kind of show up, but, you know, I'm not a fan of the suburbs. So. Nobody is. Um, Unless but, you're my listener, in which case I like your suburb. Yeah, your suburb's great. Your suburb has the best Chipotle. Oh, um, my God. Um, but... But like, so even the, the example of the Maytag refrigerator plant, like sure. if you go back in history, it didn't just come to town as a um, 1600 employee union shop that's pumping out a million refrigerators a year. Like it grew to be that over sure. like many, many decades of like incremental growth and expansions and some busts you know like there it's a cycle but you know it didn't just come out of the ground to be this juggernaut and you know i i think we're actually seeing a little bit of that here now you know there's this um company called intellihot that makes tankless water heaters and they have a manufacturing facility here in Galesburg, and they employ about 100 people here in town, but they're looking to do a big old expansion and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I mean, it can happen, but it's not going to happen on the scale of like some mega factory is just going to spring up here. Yeah, Ford's and, not moving from Detroit. Yeah, yeah, we're... And if we are going to pick them up because we provided some tax incentive, um, you know, if they came here that willy nilly, 
they're they're going to go wherever the next place is in however many years if they can offer them a quarter percent less you know exactly so um let me ask you this sir um and i know nothing about this subject but this is an errant thought i had so it's not quite a one-for-one analogy but in the pre-industrial revolution you had a series of artisans who made things by hand at each step of the line you know instead of the assembly process that factories had there seems to be in the newest version of the economy a kind of a return to that in a lot of ways mm-hmm. you know that some call it the not quite the gig economy oh that that's a part of it but like you know everybody i know has a full-time job and a side gig and then a, a passion project they monetize and seems to be a lot of new businesses springing up overnight or think people taking their is there not a lot of independent entrepreneurial growth you know is, is there ways of like a thousand small shops t- replacing the big factory or does it not work like that because i don't know no, that's I'm... totally a, a path forward and that's what i'm like trying to make happen sure. um you know try and pave the way towards because you can make a lot of these small things happen but it, you know it's it's funny you say you know the artisans of like last yesteryear you know like the one of the things that you know, got me onto the path of like figuring out that I could just choose or I have a choice in deciding whether I like Galesburg or not, liking my hometown. Sure. Is that like, you know, I used to watch travel shows incessantly. And, you know, they would go to this little tiny little town in in, you know, in the countryside of Europe or or in somewhere in the middle of Asia or, you know, just anywhere in the world. And there are these people there and they're taking great pride in what they do. And it's their way. It's their thing. And it's their town. And they have a pride about it. And I was like, wait a minute, like they can do that. And, you know, they're, you know, they, they don't have nearly the wealth that we have in our town. I mean, we don't think we have wealth, but I mean, compared to a lot of, you know, most places in the world, we have a fair amount of wealth. The lights turn on, the water's not poisonous. Yeah, yeah, you know, some of those things. So so it was like, wait a minute, you know, what, what, what gave this little French town a right to be really excited about their like eccentric cheese like (laughs) you know what gave them the right and it's like well they didn't they're they didn't have to be given that they chose to be they gave themselves the right yeah and they don't have a big factory there with jobs and and all that kind of stuff you know just a guy yeah they're just a guy so it's like why why can't we work towards a vision of our town that isn't dependent on having good good middle class jobs working people not to say we don't want those oh those are essential of course but if they go away then we lose our identity exactly you know as a town and so now it's like 
what do we do? You know, what do we get to replace that? How much um, of it is the sort of despondent sense of, you know, um, you know, I wasn't good enough to leave. Yeah. You know, well, does a guy with, you know, does a guy who's got a wife and three kids who works part time at the gas station because that's the only job he can get, you know? Yeah. I got to imagine. And, you know, I am blessed well beyond whatever I deserve. But I got to imagine anybody in those shoes probably isn't thinking, you know, I could probably design an app. Like, yeah. he's probably. Yeah. he's probably dealing with some some internal grief and guilt and so you you're probably fighting a couple of battles here where you've got you got to change the internal clock the internal identity of a town like yeah and then also it's kind of hard to be like hey you know how you're depressed because there's no jobs you should start a TikTok and monetize it. Like, <laughs> like they'll be like, "What's TikTok? Get out yeah. of here!" Yeah, I mean, it. It. Um, I've been fortunate that you know, in my, um, I haven't gotten big enough to attract the naysayers, so that's sure. been good. Um, right now, it's mostly just been the people who are on board. And we're actually at a pretty good place in the local politics right now that we actually have a city council that's receptive to a more positivist, you know, version of the town. Um, Our town just put out some strategic goals that they're trying to hit. You know, one of them is population growth, um, which is um, would be a new thing within um, at least my parents generation of Galesburg. Or, or, you know, my grandparents probably too. Um, you know, our, our town hit a peak of population in 1960. Well, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. Well, the town had a peak population of about 37,000. And now, um, you know, the if we count the citizens, at one point we got a state prison. So our census numbers are different because you count prisoners in the census count but you, you know they're not citizens of the town <laughs> they're so, not exactly there by choice yeah so our citizenry is about like 28 and a half thousand okay. so so we we've lost about 10k over 60 years so a quarter um, of your population yeah yeah wow so um that's so, crazy yeah it's um trying to turn turn it the other way like if if we could just have one more person than we had you know at the end of this census like that's turning the tide um i mean you're probably definitely the first guy to oh you're probably the loudest guy to be the voice of to take on the mission of restoring your hometown to its former glory that's pretty that's incredible trying to but you know i have you know doing this i have found that there are there have been other people doing the work like you know there are the people who have their little shops that they take pride in and you know there's you know we haven't completely sold out to the pizza huts and the starbucks yet you know we still have some of our own stuff yeah Um, well i mean those are everywhere like like me and the wife went to New York City last year in, in June of 21, in between waves of the virus and the flood, basically. Mm-hmm. And 
there was we're, we're in Harlem and we're right next to uh, what is that big famous theater doesn't matter we're in Harlem and uh, you know where I'm like oh there's a gap and there's a red lobster and there's a, uh, you know and I'm like oh there's a lot of corporate stuff here yeah so it, even even Harlem as yeah. as a corporate yeah. Um, yeah I mean shit I remember um, when I was in college I was in marching band and one of the years we did the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and so we went to New York yeah. and the day before two days before we had a day like we had like an afternoon and evening that we got to chose what we do and oh, that's cool. like okay um, and you know we're in college and all that stuff and and most of the people I knew, you know, since they were band kids, they all, you know, got tickets to go see something on Broadway. And so many of them, like, we got to the hotel after rehearsal, got in their nice clothes, and then they went and ate somewhere nearby that was like an Olive Garden or a Red <laughs> Lobster. And I was like, guys, no. No. <laughs> We're going you're to a McDonald's the, in Times Square. You're in the restaurant capital of the world. Walk literally five feet and just go somewhere else. But, I did the same thing. I went to a Starbucks but, in Harlem. But, I get it. Well, Starbucks, that's a little more utilitarian. But yeah. Um, but so um I did not go to a Broadway show. I um I went with a friend. We took the subway down and we went to this place called Katz's Deli. Oh, shit. And had the best pastrami. Well, probably the best sandwich I've ever had, which was a pastrami on rye. Sure. And, oh my gosh, it was just so good. I'm raving about it now. And it's been like <laughs> seven years. Um, That's funny. So so that that was my New York sandwich experience. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it must have must have found the best sandwich in New York City. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was very good. So I'm curious about Galesburg, yeah. um, and I want to learn more about this town now because Evans told me plenty about it. He's kind of told me about your crusade a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of like cultural centers touchstones do, do you people have there yeah like, i mean that's that you know that's a tough one um yeah, you like know, churches obviously it's the midwest but yeah i mean so we we have a small liberal arts college here okay um that is actually older than the town and older than the state even wow um so it sounds it, expensive <laughs> um i don't know if it is actually but um um, so we have that here. Um, a um, the poet, American poet Carl Sandburg was born here and lived here a lot, good number of his life. So okay, he's a, he's a you know the a lot of things are named after him, and there's a statue of him in our town square. Um, but, well, if you had to, let me let me take it here. If you had to say, besides the general like apparently sense of you know bleak apathy which sounds really sad <laughs> um what 
would you guys say is like your general is like lack of jobs is it just no upward mobility in the city like something like that i mean just like there there's almost like a sense within the people that they're reaching some for some markers of success or like that were a real place and not just this rink dink place like there there's some there there's some level of people here who believe that we're not a real town until like we get a best buy or something you know like (laughs) there's this weird measuring ourselves in the you know chain retail stores that we have that happens that's very strange yeah i mean i mean you know i get it i i'm an american i get it yeah but i mean it's like you know we live in an environment where we're far away from all of them so that's true you know we used to be a three mcdonald's town now we're a two mcdonald's town you know like anyway it's fine (laughs) but um yeah i mean there there there's this is part of the project is trying to identify you know what's a local culture that we can all get behind yeah that gives us a kind of north star it lost their Uh, pride i mean yeah i mean and now i i I, what i have described is kind of bleak now it's not like everyone's around here moping around um sure but and, and there are plenty of people trying to better the town. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, it is kind of the general attitude that, you know, needs, it, it needs some correcting and we need to, you know, decide who we are. Um, yeah. But, it, but, you know, there's this um, pathology that I've found within the townspeople and I've even done it with myself um, because I'm here is that like, there's a feeling that we want to like prove ourselves that, you know, we're a real town or we're real, you know, we're serious about whatever, what have you. And there'll be a lot of times where, you know, you engage in this, some sort of activity. Like I remember music, but it also happens in like restaurants and all this stuff. We're trying to prove yourself. You end up trying to do something above and beyond and you end up like trying, like kind of doing the above and beyond thing but then just not doing the basics. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I remember this happened in band once. Like, I, I you know, in, in concert band in high school, we were, like, recording to, like, try and go to Allstate or something, whatever it was. And, you know, they, they came back and I was like, yeah, you guys did really good on all the difficult stuff. But, like, <laughs> on, on the simple stuff, you kind of flubbed. Well, like, I was I... like... I felt like a metaphor. Yeah, that, that's a great metaphor. I found, um, I know in my own life, uh, success comes when you figure out how to do the basics consistently at a C plus level or higher. Uh-huh. Like, you're not going to be an A student. God knows I'm not an A student all the time. But, you know, I, the power bill gets paid. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> And we, I'm, I've never, never gotten a shut off notice, you know. Right. <laughs> um. And you don't, you, you don't master. I mean, I know for me, 
right like i could never master the more advanced parts of life until i i had to master you know like basic stuff like mm-hmm. you know like oh what's retirement right like what's the stock market and what can compound interest do for me that sort of thing uh-huh. right like you know i'm not all I hail compound interest i yeah i'm no by, by no means warren buffett but i'm like okay you know like you gotta you know it's fuck, i had a thought you gotta do the basics you gotta do the basics and oh fuck i had a thought Sorry, I had a, <laughs> worked out a lot today and now I'm all exhausted. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. your town kind of excels at the cool stuff, but doesn't do the... Oh, public service. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I've been working public sector my entire life. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big chunk of that was the military. And then um, I noticed a lot of that. A lot of working in the government is consistency it's Mm -hmm. it's doing the simple stuff right and then kind of making sure the simple stuff the boring stuff you know not everybody can be lead guitar sometimes you got to be the bassist Uh and and being the bass i mean i'm not a musician but you know you want to be the flashy guy who does a thing in the front and gets the girl and it's fun. But, you know, somebody has to make sure that the lights turn on. Yeah. yeah. And and that's boring. And uh-huh. sometimes you fall asleep. Like, I'll describe my job to people. And sometimes I'm like, listen, I know I'm bored. Just describe it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, go on. There's this. I, th- this is an example I always bring up. I'm not. I'm not going to name the place, but there's this restaurant here in town that is almost universally liked by people. Like, okay, it's you know. But here's the thing: if you go to it, there's like a thirty percent chance your shit's just going to get fucked. Like, oh no. Yeah, like they're going to totally mess up your order, or it's going to come out cold, or or you're you're gonna be there for like waiting an hour and a half for your food or just something along those lines sure you know something's gonna you know really bad service something along those lines and it's like man if that place you know went from a 30 percent chance of you know having a bad experience to like a 0.5 percent of chance of having a bad experience they'd be raking it in that would be like the town's restaurant or this like would, just a five percent chance yeah like let's, let's start small yeah just something but but you know that 30 percent chance really hit you know hits them that's a one um, in three yeah so so um you know it's like all right if we could, if you, we could just get some consistency here what know? are you what is inconsistent I mean, is it public services is it and don't name names unless you know, yeah. just like torch I, I believe i i i'm still getting to know the city government um right the city council meetings right now so i don't know um but you know i i think it's more so these like kind of um and i'm not trying to get you in trouble with anybody yeah yeah i don't know it's just kind of like 
whether it be businesses or, you know, other things. It's just like trying to make sure. Is it the public sector? Is it private sector? Oh, more public. More, more public. public. But, okay. but, it, but it's just like trying to make sure that, you know, when we're doing these enterprises, because, you know, the, the businesses are the town, the local businesses are. Obviously. Sure. And, and if it's just some place for some owner to park their money, yeah. that's not like doing good for the town. Whereas if it's a place where the owner or whoever's involved takes great pride in what they're doing, yeah. you know, then that's where the real difference is. That's how you show people what you're doing. Yeah. Um, that you take pride in what you're doing. And people and you know, I, I also have to like convince people who have been here for a long time. It's like, hey, um, you know, I know you may not think things are great right now, but there are still people moving here. You know, yeah. there there are people who are choosing Galesburg now. Like, well, in and, a big part of in a big part of public sector work that I found was, you know, like if, and this sounds bad, but you know, I I I would you know respond to an email, mm. right? I would promptly address a concern from the customer, you know. <laughs> Right. Like I, I thought that's what I was paid to do. Um, turns out I was an anomaly. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I was never perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And sometimes I made humongous goofs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I always got high remarks like, oh, that Derwin, he's kind of stupid. But he tries and he's sometimes nice to talk to. <laughs> and, and, and You are nice to talk to. Well, thank you. We've been on the phone for an hour or so. Yeah. Um, but that's a curse of public sector employment sometimes is that you don't, God help you if you get the wrong person. Right. And, and I don't know, it's, if you don't have the right people or at least okay people in charge of things, uh, things can deteriorate. And I have a lot of friends in public sector work still, and I kind of tell them, uh, you know, for our end of things like like listen don't try to change the world figure out what five things you have to do every day and then don't fuck up those five things too bad yeah you know you're not gonna be perfect you probably won't even be great just don't make things worse (laughs) you Uh know just keep public sector work is just consistently keeping the game going right and maybe you won't make someone's life hard well, yeah, that, 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 that's another thing is that like, you know, in public sector work, but in like towns in general, you're, while you're doing the day to day, you're also playing the infinite game, you know, yeah. this is supposed to theoretically go on for forever. Far and, out past us. Yeah. Like, you know, or whatever forever is in our lives, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, it's like. It, it adjusts your thinking a little bit you know i i'm not i'm you know the galesburg of today you know ain't ain't too bad i mean i like it here but you know i'm really fighting for the galesburg of 10 years from now well or, talk to me about the galesburg of 10 years from now what's your dream for the town well you know i would um the big thing some of the big things is that i would hope that um there is population growth um, that by changes, how much 
you know, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even want to put a number on it. I just want growth. Like, Replacement levels. Like I said, like I said before, like if our population goes up by one, <laughs> you know, person in the next 10 years, that's, I'll count that as a win. That's, I like it. That, that's a W on the board. That's at least changing the trend, yeah. bending it in the other direction. Um, so I just want some population growth. I want to see a um, more revitalized downtown. Um, you know, um, we have this nice historic downtown and I've even found like videos of old, you know, like footage from like 1912 where it's like this bustling downtown and there's people out and they're all wearing nice clothes and you know kids are riding their bikes down main street and now main street's you know a u.s highway yeah <laughs> um you know and i want to see a return to or you know a betterment of building a downtown because you know people you know some people will say they don't but i mean urban spaces are where people want to be and we can create a small urban space in our town what is Um, your downtown like now um you know it's holding on Uh, um i mean i guess it's in a lot better place than it has been in like the last 15 years like would Um, you walk down there in the middle of night yeah yeah it's not like a safety issue it's like uh it's like yeah that, that tells you how well they're holding on yeah um you know, it, it's just more like, you know, being a place to go. Yeah. Um, as a whole. oh, like uh, like like something for people to do outside of like, oh, we're going to the Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just like uh, a place to go to to see things, to be, you know, um, like a theater scene. Yeah. Like, a, like a, it, do, it, do you guys have like an arts and playhouse district or? Um, well, I, we're not big enough for different districts. We have an old theater, um, like an Orpheum theater. So it's like a stage. Um, sure. And, and that place is nice. Um, but you guys have like lots of active theater shows and stuff. Uh, not a ton, you know, that's, that's another thing. It's just, you know, trying because I have found that like, you know, through my research that a lot of town revivals, um, tend to be led by like an artist renaissance, you know, or, yeah. you know, what have you, is that like the artists show up and then they make it a hip place to be. And then, um, and then, you know, the people who aren't artists, but are attracted to artistry and oftentimes have money, then yeah. they follow because Patrons. they wouldn't be near to it. Yeah. Essentially. Sure. So, so you know trying to um you know cultivate uh, some sort of art scene you know that that seems to be an important step to really getting things going and there is a distinctive art community in town so it's just like you know how do we what's the art community like you know i i'm not that's not quite my world sure. um so i don't quite have the language to describe it but I know it's there. That's um, good. It exists. And, you know, it's it's always been kind of, it's been there in the backdrop sure. of the town. So it does at least exist. 
I know for me, if I were taking my wife to a Airbnb in uh, Galesburg, you know, just to get away for the weekend, uh-huh. and or or we're looking for places to go, I know. And what we look for quite often is an art gallery, yeah, of local artists. We look for playhouses to go to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I know that's easy for me to be like, well, why don't you just set up like an art gallery in a theater company? Yeah. And, you know, like there a is an art studio. gallery. We do have one in town. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a kind of all the above approach. You know, it's yeah. like, how do we how do we encourage these things? How do we get them going? Yeah. And how do we make sure that, you know, we're we're really taking pride in these things? What's the first thing you want to do? Like, what's. Well, I mean, so it sounds like you're you're wanting to breathe new life into this place, uh-huh. and to, I mean, I look at I'm you know like a, a, a you know a overly emotional artistic type of person, mm-hmm. and I know for me I always look at things through that lens. Like, what am I like? That would be something I would be interested in, right? right? Like, and and that's where my language goes, typically speaking. Mm-hmm. that and you know army stuff but that's a whole different universe and i so know my, go ahead yeah so my my thought is one of the big things that we need to do is get more apartments downtown sure. um that's just a real important thing we don't have a ton of people living there currently yeah or or if you know there there's a real discrepancy where the few apartments that do exist are really high end for the area but then also like th- there's a good amount of the public housing apartments that aren't you know so it's really polarized you know um there's not a whole yeah it, it's not a whole lot of any in between yeah. um so trying to get some of the, you know get an apartment that like I don't know, people my caliber can afford, you know, I can't yeah. afford the luxury apartment, but I don't want to go on the you know, the cheaper places. Yeah. You don't live in Section 8 housing either. Yeah, yeah. So, so create this middle ground where, you know, people who are young and hip and like are... Much like are, yourself. Yeah, I try to be. Um, you know, who are like going out and like being part of the local community. Like those people are just very important to have to create a local atmosphere. Um, I think another important thing uh, down the road will be is that we'll need a hotel downtown. Um, we currently don't have one. We have an old dilapidated one, but it was shit, you know, falling apart. So there you um, go. I think we need something new. But, you know, that's a pretty big investment. to make. Is this yeah. a chicken or the egg thing? Do you think you need the do you need the people to do you need the, the, the hip scene? To bring well, the people for the apartment, do you need apartment first? Where are you guys? Yeah, thinking? I mean, it, it's um, it's it, uh, you know, they're all parts of it, and I don't know the quite directionality of it. Sure. Um, but I do know that like having your like quirky local businesses, that's like key, and that's having right. a your own local kind of like culture or events or you know all that kind of stuff that's also key yeah so so trying to foster those wherever we can 
that's going to pay off big in, you know, creating a better area. Right on, man. I, I, I so look forward to seeing you become the mayor of Galesburg one day. <laughs> um, I have a few follow-up things I want to address with you first. All right. Uh, the first one's a little more big, and the, and the second one's a little more more intimate and personal. Um, but the big one, you have been a logistician, I'm a guess, probably since you got out of college, right? Yeah. So we are currently, and I've had a few truck drivers on here to address <laughs> this. We are currently in probably the biggest disruption of the global supply chain since the Second World War. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the reasons behind it? What do you think the uh, cure for the disease is going to be, the, the supply chain stuff? Yeah. How long do you think we're in for this? What, what do you got? Well, so so here's the 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 rub. This is a little bit bigger picture than my own experiences, but um, you know, as an economy wide thing, our we're actually consuming goods at a much higher rate than we did before the pandemic. That's like like our demand for things, durable goods, is like forty percent higher than what it was before the pandemic. What's a durable good? Um, you know, like, so a car or, you know, anything that isn't like, I don't know, toilet paper, you know, like a consumable, you know, that's going to last. Um, and this is because what happened during the pandemic was, um, you know, we ended up, uh, a bunch of households ended up getting a real boost to their incomes because of the stimulus checks. Sure. So there was this kind of combined effect where um, people had this money from the stimulus checks. There was a good number of people who ended up, um, you know, they weren't too affected by the pandemic. They were just able to work from home. Yeah. And so what ended up, ended up happening was they ended up saving a whole lot of money because yeah. they weren't able to go out and do all the other things that they did and do vacations. So, so right now people have all you know, a good number of people have a lot of extra money and they want to spend it. So they're spending it on things like cars and, you know, computer parts and all this kind of stuff. Whereas if things were a little bit more normal, they would also be spending it on services. So like going on a vacation or something like that. Nobody went on cruises for a while. Yeah. So, so what's happened is, is that, um, you know, people are actually buying a whole lot more stuff, and which means we're having to both ramp up production for those things and have more capacity to get it delivered. So um, shutting down the service sector of the economy left people with who had discretionary income yep. with no place to spend it. Therefore, they saved everything up and bought consumer level stuff, consumer yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... One of the real things is that we're just probably going to have to muddle through it for a while because, yeah. um, because the 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 crunch is not going to be for forever, and um, the transportation companies, you know, I'm pretty sure are pretty hesitant to put into massive investments to increase supply for now, where sure. it seems like. 
you know, the, the, you know, rates are only going to be high for like maybe another year. Whereas, you know, they make, they make those big investments and then like a year later, then everything, you know, it's no longer worth it. You know, they're thinking long-term you don't say. Yeah. (laughs) No one does that. So, so it's, um, everyone's just kind of trying to muddle through. I mean, you know, and it's another thing with, um, wages, wages are an interesting thing. You know, we, we could say that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, pay truck drivers more. And I, I generally agree with that, but, but from the business owner's perspective, um, wages have this property that people call in economics, they call them sticky. Yeah. And that essentially once you raise wages, it's really hard to undo that. Oh, of course. So like raising taxes. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Yeah. But so so it's like it's a different argument. Yeah. So so if you as a business owner are taking, you know, in, in this business climate and you're trying to attract drivers, and so you you bump your pay up, you know, you go from I don't know what have you like 55 cents a mile and you kick it up to 65 cents a mile and you're really you know now you're really getting a whole bunch of drivers but then you know further down the road when you know your rates that you're getting to do your loads aren't as hopping then all of a sudden you have all these drivers who are making a whole lot of money and then you're not really able to stay in business so sure. um, because of high labor costs so it's it's a balancing act over the course you know uh, uh, these businesses are playing infinite games as well you know theoretically they want to keep going for forever sure. so you know there's some level of prudence and some level of seizing the you know times at hand and you know it being you know it's just it's always interesting to see how it plays in the long term but but for what i see in the current term i see um most um companies just kind of muddling through the best they can i've uh, heard of i've i've heard from truck drivers a bit on this program where people are 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 their drivers, their their agencies are having trouble getting specific chips and the let's see if I can get this right. So the chips for the trucks are supposed yeah. to help modulate a thing that keeps the truck from spewing too much diesel exhaust into the <laughs> oxygen. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about though? Yes, yeah. So so diesel trucks have something called a death system in them. Yes. And and um you know it it it's essentially it takes the exhaust from the engine burns it with this other fuel mm-hmm. and it creates a less toxic or environmentally toxic um end product i mean that's, um, that's better i guess yeah it is better um but um these these def systems are relatively new yeah. um, so they aren't as reliable as all the other stuff on the trucks um, so they end up breaking N- newer trucks break down more often than the old trucks that don't have to have the environmental, um, you know, equipment. on. Them. So those are mandatory for every truck and every fleet in the continental United States. Well, it's, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I'm not in like, you know, the realm of truck procurement and, sure. you know, standards and all that kind of stuff. 
but it is my understanding that everyone's supposed to have them to some degree some variation on he was telling me how um like his company they're having trouble getting replacement chips because like this was probably back in january when the ports really backed up actually it's probably back in november when the ports really backed up and so like they had trouble getting the chips that helped read how full the gauges were yeah and so they found a workaround but they're like yeah we're not making new chips we're just finding workarounds on things yeah are you guys having trouble maintaining the fleets of trucks that you currently have on the road you already seen lots of that yeah i mean some every once in a while there will be some part that a truck needs and then it's just kind of sitting there for a while because you can't really get the part um, yeah so but it's not like a, sometimes it's, well it's, so our our fleet specific we we had some extra trucks um capacity so um you know if if um one ended up not you know having to get repaired um you know the drivers were still able to drive you know get in another truck that we had extra okay so. very cool I, I and and thanks for going into that i appreciate that i yeah that's not something you know much like our discussion on the consistency of public service you know the um, the the vehicle maintenance of the fleet of the trucks isn't the most exciting topic typically but then you think oh that's what keeps our country from descending into chaos yeah is people getting stuff at walmart yep (laughs) um and and when i spoke to him months ago they were worried about there being more and more shortages of things but it sounds like things are you know it's probably not the way it was in 2019 but i imagine from what it sounds like things are kind of functioning at a fairly successful level from what well and and here's another thing um so from the years of like i don't know like say 2000 to when the pandemic hit in 2020 sure um we experienced an economy that was um understimulated where there wasn't enough demand and so what ended up happening is that we got used to stores just having copious amounts of supply because sure. you know they were trying to sell things and you know the issue was is that there weren't people buying them interesting now the issue is that there's too many people wanting to buy things <laughs> um I know, I know. Every time I go to the grocery store, I always check and make sure there's toilet paper. Okay. Yeah, that's how I gauge how well we're doing as a where as my community. And I'm like, oh, there's, oh, it's it's mostly empty. Oh no, <laughs> but but you know, of a previous era, you know, like the '60s or '70s, you know, sometimes the store just didn't have the thing, you know. But yeah. it, it it just seems weird that we're engaging you know our our ideas of the economy is how many boxes of craft mac and cheese are on the shelves like and if there's a whole lot then the economy is doing good but then if there isn't then it's doing bad whereas i would tend to argue the opposite but yeah see i i am so glad you're on here you're an expert in the field um just from working in it for years and so okay so i have uh with the our our 
are the ports still an issue or is the congestion still bad? Because at the time of the recording, it's the 1st of March, 2022. Are there, is there still hard uh, congestion at the ports there? I don't know. I don't deal with the ports. So my, what I, what I work with is removed from that. That's probably good. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, a more personal question for you, sir. Uh-huh. Uh, I know for me, when I was a kid, uh, I was uh, just 300 pounds of solid fat and just loved soda pop and, you know, hand-rolled cigarettes and just just living a life in the trailer park. Um, and then I dropped about 50, 75 pounds, something like that. And, and I have been told stories of your weight loss journey would you care to share Uh, yeah so um over about the last seven and a half months i've lost a hundred pounds that's a whole person yeah yeah it's um that's like an adult woman yeah and i'm i'm looking to lose a couple more people um (laughs) just just a whole baseball team huh yeah um so so this has been um you know i say seven months ago but this has been like this is something that's been in the background of my life for a long time i i've i've been a big guy for a long time sure and you know i had recognized even as early as the age of 12 that i was bigger than most everybody else people Um, let you know well you know, I, I've been fortunate in my life that not too many people have been outspoken about it to me. So sure. that's been nice. But but no, I remember growing up, I was bigger. I don't know if I was ever obese, but, you know, when I was like 12. But like, you know, I definitely remember seeing on TV, this was when they were, you know, lots of news reports about, you know, childhood obesity and you know how bad it is and all this kind of stuff and i was like hey i'm in childhood and maybe i'm obese i i should try to not do that yeah and so i remember you know even some attempts back then to be healthier lose weight or what have you and um just not being successful for many 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 years over many 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 attempts sure um but um so, but this has been a slow build, you know, it didn't all start on seven, just seven months ago. So like, you know, and, and I love, I, one of my favorite things to do is I just, I just gnaw on problems that like on ideas where there isn't like a real clear cut solution yeah. or, you know, stuff like that. So like the obesity epidemic or, um, you know, something to do with, um, you know, municipal spending or, you know, stuff like <laughs> it just like just issues where there isn't, you know, I feel like there's a lacking in the evidence that's being presented. Um, and weight loss has been one of those because I was faced with it. You know, I, I very much wanted to lose weight. I've wanted to lose weight my entire adult life, my hell, my entire post pubescent life, you know, like, um, I have wanted to lose weight, um, but had not been able to, but through a series of steps. So, um, in May, 2020, 
was the last time I um, willingly drank soda. There you um, go. That was my biggest, so, you know, biggest sugar um, consumption. You know, soda like, will do that to you. Oh yeah, and you and you you just get hooked to it. Like I remember one time trying to quit in college. And I lived like half a block away from a Circle K a gas station. So oh, I could pop yeah. in there and get like the the 79 cent soda whenever I wanted. You don't smoke cigarettes, do you? No, no. Oh, yeah. I, I very I very consciously realized from a young age that I was like or no, it it was like um I remember I saw this uh documentary that was like remembering Chris Farley. Oh, and I think shit. I and I think at one point there, I think it was like Adam Sandler who was like, hey, I told Chris, man, you can't be fat and do drugs at the same time. <laughs> it's going to go badly. I mean, and, and you know what? I took that to heart. I was like, yeah. shit, I'm fat. I can't do other things. Like, yeah, I, I'm already, I'm already on one unhealthy track. I can't, I, I can't pick up another one. Like. I need to, you know, be careful here. Can't add tobacco usage and yeah. like rage. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but I remember trying to quit soda in college and yeah. it was like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie train spotting, but no. it's a, it's a movie about, um, these guys in Scotland trying to quit or, you know, they're, they're, they're quitting heroin. heroin. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, and, I, I never did anything quite that hard, although well, I did quit, I did give up nicotine and tobacco yeah. products and that'll that'll make your skin crawl. But I'll tell you, like there was one there was a scene in the movie where um the main character is giving up heroin and you know he's trying to get off of it and they're they're you know he's getting he's doing a like a cold turkey. Sure. And so he goes to his parents and he's locked in his, you know, childhood bedroom. And he's just writhing with agony because of the withdrawals from it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I did that once with soda. You wrote like, the dragon. <laughs> now, it wasn't, I wasn't seeing hallucinations and all that stuff. <laughs> well, it was much lesser degree, but I'll tell you. I was laying in bed, like in some sort of physical pain because Definitely. I wanted a soda so bad. Definitely. And I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, you told yourself you were going to do this. But I was like, oh, I really want it. You know, oh, I'm in such discomfort. I really want it. But oh, you shit, you, you piece of shit. You need to get, you know, uh, you know, if you're if you're not going to do it now, when are you ever going to do it? Yeah. Um, One day you'll be 50. Yeah. <laughs> So God willing, so, one day you'll be 50. So, so, um, but miraculously when I quit in May, 2020, like I didn't suffer withdrawal yeah. and it wasn't like too big of an issue. And I was like, Oh shit, I can't, I can't fuck this up. I'm never going to get this opportunity again. Um, you're clean. You know, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I got out of it and I'm not suffering because of it. I need yeah. to like, keep this going. Um, so I cut out soda and I tried to cut out all sugar, but you know, that's kind of tough. Um, oh, piece at a time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I tried for a while, but then slowly things got going, coming back in. And then 
all of a sudden, about a year later, I found myself, um, you know, I was just going to the local ice cream place and getting a, you know, an extra large chocolate malt and slurping that yeah. down and basically being in a food coma afterwards. That's so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, and basically, like, being quasi drunk, like, just unable to focus and wow. lethargic and all this stuff. Yeah, it was bad. So I believe in May 2021, I quit all sugar altogether um, while still mostly eating whatever I wanted, just as long as it didn't have sugar in it. Um, And then so in July of 2021, I finally went to my doctor in 2021. my, um, My New Year's resolution was ask for help. Yeah, And so I decided, you know, I, I finally got myself to the doctor after many years of not going. And I was actually, you know, what scared me into it was I had like an abscess in my skin. Oh, shit. And I was like, and what you know, part? Kind of, what? What part? It was on my chest. Oh, um, shit. But here's the funny thing is that it healed up by the time I got to my doctor's appointment. Well, still... Um, yeah you're a young guy (laughs) well yeah it freaked me out i had never seen anything like that so but but it got me to the doctor and i uh, i talked with the doctor and i was like well i want to lose weight and he is like all right all right well basically the options that we have before us is you can do um my understanding you know he was saying my understanding is is that the best diet right now is the ketogenic diet um you can try that out or, you know, if that doesn't work out too well, we can look at bariatric surgery. And, and you know, I was like, you know, I'm looking at this. You know, I had just weighed in at 522 pounds, which is... Good uh, heavens. Yeah. That's You're big, the Hulk. Yeah. So, so I was like looking at that and I was like, you know, there was some comfort knowing that, you know bariatric surgery you know it seems like it's something that it actually works for people and it's relatively safe and and since i'm younger it's even safer so i was like you know i looked on some insurance plan you know on my insurance and it was like oh well you have to do a weight loss attempt of at least six months or doctor monitored dieting for six months and whatever so i was like all right let me full ass this ketogenic thing let me no cheatsy no no whoopsies no 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 nothing no fucking around six months like and because i had tried the ketogenic diet before and you know had varying success and um so i was like all right i'm gonna do this full ass for six months if it doesn't work, then I conclu- can conclusively know that there isn't a real way to lose weight. Um, but then I did it and have had been experiencing amazing results. I have so much more energy now. Um, and my life has just improved in such vast ways. You probably feel like I, a kid again, don't you? A little bit. I, I still have quite a ways to go. What are, you, what are you weighing now? Um, so I've lost 100 pounds, so I'm about 420. Um, that's a 20%. Like, that's... Yeah. yeah. That's... 
that is tremendous. You you probably added ten years to your life doing that. Oh yeah, that's and, you know I I tend to add on many years to my life. I you know, um, but uh, and people look at you because I I didn't people I I remember people looked at me a lot differently, right? Like nobody was an asshole about it. Yeah. Well, you know, to be to be a little candid, so you know, I, being a single guy, I, I sometimes weigh into the online dating world, sure. and um, um, go losing this hundred pounds has changed the the pool a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, oh so, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see um, how much it changes the further I get down this path. You know, um, I think you'll be swimming in brighter waters. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I, I'm kind of banking on that. But you know, I, you know, the the world's a complex place. The world is um, complex. Although we do live in America, so you know, it's the bars is real low these days. Uh, <laughs> um, I know for me, like I, 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 I know the. You know, I mean, I was, you know, the happy-go-lucky fucking big chunky fucking pot-smoking kid and everything. But also, like, you know, you, you, I went from like three hundred to like a buck ninety-five. Uh huh. Right. And oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, don't be wrong. I was never, you know, Lothario. Right, uh-huh. you know, no one's making me movies. I wasn't in Cyrano or anything, but which I just saw with Evan. <laughs> um, yeah, like it was kind of like, oh, that Derwin guy, he's a really good friend. To like, oh, that Derwin guy, he kind of looks nice with his shirt off, right? It was, yeah. Granted, I was also <laughs> nineteen, so you know, that was a, I was a, that was like a half a lifetime ago, practically. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm a really nice guy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, fuck a twenty percent reduction. That's insane. Yep. That is, and two people, you know, and I would never, having experienced it myself, and having just a, like a dose of human empathy, I would never tolerate or kind of think that like you know because people people say stuff like oh well, you know you should just shame people and then no that's not gonna work but there's well and i would also say shaming would maybe be a more effective answer if there were truly clear answers well, like that's i mean it, it was the army like, was like that but it was the yeah. army yeah you know? but i and, mean like I'm thinking with fat shaming, you know, I, I think, you know, th- there's whole debates that people make way too serious about yeah. fat acceptance and shaming and all that kind of stuff. Like, don't be th- an asshole about well, it. Well, don't be an asshole. But I also, um, I think some people underrate the, um, the, the amount that isn't truly known about how to lose weight if you truly think it is just calories in and calories out then you think then then you have a pretty low thought of like everyone who's fat because then it's truly that they're just gluttonous and they refuse to do something about it 
um, whereas the 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 picture is much more complicated than that. Well, you it said yourself, just... you 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 related your experience to kicking sugar like a guy on train spot and kicking heroin. Yeah. Like, yeah, that kind of explains a lot of things. I mean, um, yeah, I remember, you know, in my research about weight loss, you know, I remember once, you know, stumbling upon some stuff that talked about addiction. Yeah. And once I got into that, I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. <laughs> um, this, this speaks to me at a way that none of the other stuff is, um, on certain things. So I know I was, I was hooked pretty hard on nicotine and, yeah. and like I said, it wasn't heroin or anything, but I threw away my nicotine patches. And I finally was said goodbye to it. Cause I started smoking. I was probably 12 or 13 years old. Uh, and I stopped, gosh, it was October of 20, right after my honeymoon in October of 2019, which I picked a great time to stop. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember throwing them away and I thought, you know, I don't want to be trying to quit smoking when I'm an old man. I don't want to, Yeah. you know, I, I don't want my kids to see their dad struggle and lose against addiction. You know, uh-huh. and well, not. I also know there's a catharsis to that, like throwing stuff, throwing a thing you're addicted to away. Yeah, like, like you know, there there have been times I've tried to quit things, and it's like, oh, let me just finish the 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 four sodas that are in my refrigerator <laughs> or something like that. No, you you there's no impact there. You you gotta you're doing it now or you're not you know yeah and and to go back to the shaming thing like you know so much of it's a mask for people to i think to uh sort of put people down and bully just to you know it it, it's a societally acceptable way to put people down and and build yourself up because i kind of think most humans are looking for a reason to tear others down so they can build themselves up off the ruins of the other person right that's just humanity um i kind of think instead of i always look at like what's the positive benefit right like you can you know like the army was all full you know i hear civilians talk about fat shaming like oh sweetie you have no idea yeah (laughs) like (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> oh man, I won't get too too in depth, but oh yeah, no. Um, they would they would call it a hostile work environment, but yeah. Uh, you know, like you were talking about the dating pool thing, right? Like mm-hmm. understanding the positive, uh, understanding the the positive benefits behind weight loss, right? And yeah. And the negative repercussions of morbid obesity well yeah. in middle age, you know, yeah. like you're a young guy, so it's still the perfect time to do it. it what you're doing now would be 10, 10 times harder five years from now. Oh, yeah, that was another thing. It was like, I really want to get this figured out before something really bad happens. You know? Yeah. And, <laughs> like, you know, and, and not to mention, we had this fun pandemic for a couple of years, which might be ending, maybe question mark. Yeah, and because we, you know, we've been hurt before. <laughs> I feel like with the end of the pandemic, it's like that girlfriend that she swears she won't cheat on you this time, uh-huh. <laughs> but man, she always does. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will, I, 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 you know, one point that I want to say on fat shaming is Which that not? anyone who thinks fat shaming is effective clearly does not know how shitty it is being fat. Um, yeah, you're never comfortable. Never comfortable. Um, you just feel like you're out of place all the time. Yeah. You know, like I love going to restaurants yeah. and, you know, that, but there is an anxiety about it because I have to make sure that when I'm going to a restaurant, there's a place I can actually sit. Yeah. Like, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't fit into most booths. So, pounds, yeah. yeah. So if a, if a restaurant was only booths, it would be like, Oh, can't go there. That's you know? insane. Yeah. yeah. So, so like having to do that level of thought, yeah. is just, it's not fun, you know, having oh. to be extra aware of yourself in that or like going out to eat with friends you know it's like all right i could pro you know what i would order to actually satiate my hunger is way more than what i'm actually going to order yeah um because you don't want to like go hog wild because everyone says oh look at the big fat guy with all the food on this plate even if they don't you feel like they are or, they're thinking or, it or, or you're thinking they're thinking it and yeah you're or you don't want to present it you know you, you're just yeah. trying to save face in some sort of way i i, I totally understand or, or you know i don't fit into most cars you know oh, that sucks man um you know like i'll go get you know i'm lucky i drive i drive a volkswagen golf and everyone is like joe why do you drive such a small car and i'm like some of these small cars make sure that really big people can get into them. Like you don't like, think about stuff like that. How no. society's designed for like they're they're designed for a certain size of people. Yeah, and kind of you know like you know like 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 little people would have the opposite problem of you. Yeah, you know, and you know like I'm I probably average size i guess i don't know uh, i'm five foot seven and probably about 30 pounds overweight myself but you know i'm approximately big enough to fit in most areas that aren't like a children's playpen yeah and shit i have never even thought of that and yeah that's really good well, insight well you know what's great about my car though is that normally in most cars i just put the seat all the way back yeah. I, I not only am I weigh a lot, I'm six foot two. Oh so, good heavens. You yeah. are the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. So um I'm big and tall and my torso is longer than you know normal. So really when I need to be buying tall shirts, I really need to be buying double tall, but that doesn't really exist. Oh I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> um so but but somehow in my little Volkswagen golf I don't, I, if I put all my seat all the way back, then it's like, I'm a kid at the steering wheel. Like I'm reaching yeah. down with my feet and they're not making it all the way to the pedal. I'm like, Oh wow, this is weird. This never <laughs> happens. You feel almost normal sized, huh? Yeah. A little, maybe there's somebody bigger than me out there. <laughs> You're Bruce Banner. There's a Hulk somewhere else. <laughs> That's funny. Who, who's the Hulk's Hulk, you know? I don't know. Thanos? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. 
No, I in until you know, I think the because I have a lot of friends that work in the, in the healthcare field, um, mm-hmm. and, and there's a I, I listen to the philosopher king Tim Dillon quite often, and mm-hmm. he talks about how the pandemic was a holocaust to fat people. He, he himself being fat, and he's like, uh-huh. yeah, that's why I got the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all the fatty boom baddies that are dying, and that's. What? And that's kind of why I started doing push-ups again because I I stopped doing push-ups when I got out of the army, right? Because, uh-huh. like, and and you'll probably relate this a little bit, right? Where like your whole who you are is judged by your physical capabilities, mm-hmm. like like your worth as a human was judged by how many push-ups you could do, uh huh? Right? Like if you couldn't do enough, then you were garbage and everyone treated you like garbage uh-huh. and you knew you were garbage deep down inside. So I'm like, I'm never doing a push-up again. Fuck the army. <laughs> yeah. And then I kept early days pandemic. You kept hearing about overweight guys that were uh, exhausting the intercostal muscles that intercostal muscles are what your chest uses to, you know, expand and breathe basically. Mm-hmm. And so if you cough too much, if you breathe too much, or if you cough too much and you exhaust those muscles, then that's when you go on the ventilator and then only like 18% of people were coming off those damn things. Right. So, I yeah. thought, oh, maybe if I do push-ups, I won't die on a ventilator. <laughs> right. I yeah. should have kept doing them. I was so pissed. Yeah. Here I was being a sad little bitch about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and back to, you know, I, I, I remember there are some people who would be like, you know, tr- you know, it, as a deflection to talking about a COVID, it was like, we need to do something about this obesity. You know, why is nobody talking about the obesity and how it ties to COVID? Sure. And I was like, are you, are you just showing up to the conversation? Are you thinking <laughs> nobody's talking about obesity? This, that, you know, that, oh, oh, we hadn't thought of not being well, fat. Oh, you know, like. They were being, well, not, not. The people trying to say, we should talk about obesity. They're there was a weird string in American politics going on and and this baffled me because it was on the right and that's kind of where I came from. I used to be there. I'm not there anymore, uh-huh. but I started there and everyone's like, oh, what about obesity? And there's all a bunch of fat people talking about what about obesity with COVID? I'm like, well, <laughs> what about obesity? <laughs> you might want to pay attention to COVID, but it was it was a way to it was almost like a little, little bit of victim blaming, but also like if they could pin, it's like they wanted to downplay COVID as much as possible. And it, it, oh yeah, it, and you couldn't, they 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 couldn't just most rational ones couldn't just outright say it's a scam or a hoax or whatever. So, and as a coping mechanism for what for what many people for myself was the scariest fucking thing that ever happened. When the whole world shut down, mm-hmm. uh, they they shrunk, and I saw this happen in my own personal life with people I knew. They shrunk all the events into like a box, an uh-huh. easily digestible box, and they could like, you know, like, like they could put on their favorite sports team's colored jersey, and then fucking make it a political issue. Right or make it like oh it's uh, we know we should talk about obesity and so that way 
they could deflect enough to where they didn't really have to think about it so then they could just kind of make it someone else's problem yeah or like they just they didn't want to believe what was happening and they were so desperate to 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 find to rationalize to def- to like if you could muddy the waters enough then you didn't yeah. really have to think about it well yeah it was like why why are you forcing me to be a, wear a mask when you should really be trying to get people not obese so they don't die from it yeah it's like oh is you know do you do you have actual solutions there or are you just <laughs> saying that should be like what should happen um, you know. He's saying, why are you bothering me with something I don't want to think about? Yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not on speaking terms with these people, but I knew a lot of people like that pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 that, and that was a big part of what kind of made me step away from a lot of, you know, sort of like the right wing way of thought because I was a soldier and being a soldier is all about sacrifice right Uh I didn't save private Ryan or anything crazy I I was a background extra in a couple of exciting things you know Mm -hmm. but it was it was all about sacrificing for your nation and the people that were so excited about you know jerking off to the soldier sacrificing when it was time for them to sacrifice oh my god they couldn't be bothered uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, you're full of shit. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I was lied to for 13 years for a whole career. That's fine. You know, yeah. that doesn't shatter my way of thinking at all. But the the valor of sacrifice is enticing, even if you don't make the sacrifice. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. And that's kind of, and to bring it to today's world a little bit, that's kind of what's bothering me a lot about the current current discussion about ukraine right Mm -hmm. is a lot of i remember 2003 you know i remember 2001 i was a teenager when it happened but i remember the beating of the war drums right and i we stayed there for two fucking decades yeah and then we left like like we were fucking you know sneaking out for a pack of smokes peeling out of the trailer park and running over the dog on the way out you know yeah it wasn't a magnanimous victory yeah and i look at that because i never made it to afghanistan i did iraq but six to one half dozen the other yeah and i look at that like oh fuck that was for nothing and everyone forgot we were there until they realized that we hadn't won yeah and 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 everybody who was so excited to thank us for our service and our sacrifice forgot about it until they realized we hadn't won and they realized what happened i'm like oh not only were they not paying attention they forgot about it when it wasn't interesting to watch anymore yeah and when it was time for them to match the marginal level of sacrifice that couldn't be bothered, those same fucking people are wanting us to invade Ukraine or no in, invade or f- drop the 82nd airborne into Ukraine yeah. to, to go fight the Russians. Yeah. I'm like, you're going to forget about this little war that you're going to start and send a bunch of another poor, another generation of poor kids from the trailer park to go to fight a war in a place you couldn't name on a map 
for reasons you'll forget about once you get bored. And then you'll wonder, you know, we're uh, fucking you'll you'll uh, until it's an election, you, you'll forget. I've seen this pattern before, Joe. Yeah, I'm old enough to have seen it repeat. And I'm like, oh, my God, you idiots, you'll do it again. Yep. Sorry, I had a fucking rant about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I'm seeing, you know, there's, um, you know, a lot of stuff about, um, you know, like uh, Zelensky of Ukraine and, you know, all the yeah. stuff that's happening there. And, you know, there's, you know, if you have a good narrative where, you know, you're truly, you know, repelling off, you know, invaders, unjust invaders of your land. You know, there's a lot of valor to be had there. That's quite intoxicating, yeah. and and I can see why people buy into it. But you know, it actually has to be there. You know, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you know, and and while this, it's a different job. It's the 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 spirit is the same. You have, I think, a piece of that valor a little bit for your hometown. We'll bring it back there, and we'll wrap up. Hey. And you, I, I think you have a piece of that valor because that valor, and 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 I'm noticing a pattern in our two three hour discussion, where a lot of your concerns, a lot of your mind seems to be, you know, I I I, I don't want to be Chris Hemsworth, but I don't want to be Chris Farley, you know. Uh-huh. Where's a nice <laughs> middle ground, right? Yeah. And a lot of that is just how do I get my life into a level of functional discipline you know you're not going to run any iron man marathons but maybe you won't lose a foot yeah and you're also taking that spirit of functional discipline because the world runs on guys like you you know just a guy Uh who's like hey let's make sure things don't suck so much you know yeah it doesn't have to be great. Just maybe it can be a little less bad. You oh know? yeah. Maybe we can make the problem. Maybe we can <laughs> not. It, it was like it was. It's like staying home before the vaccine. Like uh-huh. maybe I can go out of my way to not make the problem worse. And uh, that—that's one of my favorite phrases. Is um, you know, just don't suck. Doesn't have to be great. Just don't <laughs> suck. You know, just you can do better the next time. Show yeah. up don't suck maybe suck less on the second try and and yeah there's a little bit of that you can find that valor right it's like you said you know they want to do the sexy flashy thing but they don't want to do the boring easy thing people are all excited about going to ukraine to go you know fight the russians but i didn't see any of them in iraq 10 years ago you know and you know, everybody wants to go do the sexy fun thing, but you're like, hey, I'm going to see if I can grow the town by one person. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm very interested in the sort of dignity and valor and honor of the common man giving so much back to his community. And I think you would fit in very well with the mindset of a lot of, of the best soldiers I knew. And with with that, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I want to thank you for your service to the community. Well, thank you. It's been good being here. Um, Lots of work still to do. You know, it talks cheap 
action is expensive. So, so we got some time <laughs> to figure it out. Well, you're a young guy still. I'm sure they'll be voting for you when you're in your forties. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll sign off. Then we'll talk for a few seconds and we'll hop off for night. Sound good. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So for the blank fortress of solitude, this is Derwin signing off.